A couple years ago, a priest friend here in the diocese of mine was filling in for another priest at a rural parish. That pastor of that parish was on summer vacation, so my priest friend was filling in for him for all of his masses that weekend. It just so happened that my priest buddy happened to be the former pastor of this parish, and so all the people after mass were very happy to welcome their former pastor back home, back to their parish, and so they were all grateful to see him again. And as is customary for most priests at the end of Mass, they're standing outside, greeting people, wishing them well, telling them to have a good week. And this is a true story, by the way. I'm not just making this up. And they're shaking hands with Father. Father, welcome back. Good to see you again. How are things? And one gentleman comes through and says, Father, do you remember me? And the priest says, yes, of course. How could I forget you? Well, do you remember my name? Father responded by saying something kind of lighthearted, indicating, sir, I don't remember your name. I'm sorry. But the guy was a bit of a bulldog and wouldn't quit. He kept on insisting, how could you not remember my name? You don't know my name? Finally, Father said, sir, I don't remember your name. I always forget the jerks. <laughs> he said a different word than jerk. <laughs> it's church and there's kids here, so <laughs> use your imagination. The reason I mentioned that story this morning is very simple. For all of us, no matter who we are, names matter. One of the words that probably reaches our heart most quickly when somebody uses it is our name. Names matter a great deal. But names don't only matter for us. Names also matter in Scripture. And this morning, some of us might have been a bit surprised that we heard certain names. Once again, names that matter. Names like Pontius Pilate. Names like Herod. Names like Annas and Caiaphas. Why do those names matter? Those names belong, not necessarily at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, but those names for us should ring a bell for belonging at the end of the Gospel. Because those names don't necessarily belong at the Nativity or in Bethlehem. Those names belong at Calvary in Jerusalem. But here's the Gospel of Luke beginning right after the Nativity story, putting in a certain context and using these names that belong at the passion of our Lord and not at his birth. So that begs the question, why would Luke include names like Pontius Pilate and Herod and Annas and Caiaphas at the beginning of the Gospel? Very simple. It's a reminder for why Jesus came. That Jesus didn't just come to be born and to make us feel good. That Jesus didn't just come to tell nice stories and heal people and do miraculous things, although he did that. But the Gospel of Luke this morning, everyone, is indicating to us 
that Jesus came for a very particular purpose to give up his life for the salvation of souls. Or, to put it another way, Jesus was born in order to die. In the placement of these key figures from the Passion at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke is a reminder to us to make sure we know why Jesus came of what we're doing in these days of preparation, that he came to give his life away. He came to die. But in the midst of these names, like Annas and Caiaphas and Pontius Pilate and Herod, there's another name this morning that we know well that's mentioned, namely the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, as we know, is the great embodiment of the season of Advent. Why? John came proclaiming repentance and crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. John's mission, John's vocation, John's primary task was a task of preparation, preparing for the way of the Lord. And he's an embodiment of Advent because the season of Advent is this time of preparation of preparing the way for the Lord. I mentioned last week that Advent's a time where we can make more room for Christ, of making sure that we have room for Christ in our lives. I want to add on that, build on that this morning. We're told that this voice of John crying out in the wilderness said this, make straight the way of the Lord. Winding roads shall be made straight. My question this morning is very simple. What are roads meant to do? What are paths meant to do? Because John is saying, make straight these paths and roads. That begs the question, what does a road do? A road gives access to somewhere. Roads in our lives, roads in our life of faith, give access to the king. Roads give access. In our own lives of faith, myself included, do we have roads, built roads, that are giving us access to Christ the King, to the newborn King of the Jews? This season of Advent gives us time to examine our own life of faith, to ensure that we have pathways for the Lord so we can access him. We can't access God without roads and pathways. For each of us, that looks different. It might be more committed to prayer each day, some type of structured routine prayer, day in and day out, not just before meals, not just a Hail Mary before bed, actual time where we get to talk to the Lord, maybe through his word, for some of us, it might be going to the sacrament of confession for the first time in a long time. For some of us, it might be more, being more attentive at Mass and asking God, the Holy Spirit, what he's trying to say to us, how he's trying to love us, what he's trying to communicate to us. So this morning, as we consider the fact that names matter, as we consider the fact that John the Baptist came to prepare the way of the Lord and make straight his paths, May we also make sure that we have roadways of accessing God 
so we can receive the tremendous love he has for us.